HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Visit wholefoodsmarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more and find the store nearest to you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. What happens when you put the chefs from the Culinary Institute of America into a room with the scientists from the MIT lab? You rethink food. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners tuning in from 65 countries around the world, about a million listens a month. I'm Jennifer Leutzi, and this is Tech Bites, the weekly show where we look at the intersection of food and technology. Today, that intersection is actually a really clear combination of food and tech. We're going to be talking about Rethink Food, the upcoming conference in Napa, California, which is a cross-mogination of the Culinary Institute of America at Copia and the MIT Media Labs. So joining us today to talk about that event, we have two of the event's participants. We have Eve Turopal, who's a journalist and advisor. She's going to be one of the speakers at the event. Eve, Hi. thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. We also have joining her, Nikki Briggs, who's the program director at CIA. Thanks for coming out as well. Thanks for having me, Jennifer. So we're going to start this episode of Tech Bytes like we always do. We go around the shipping container and we talk about apps, apps we love, old favorites that have been living on the home screen for 10 years, new ones we've just discovered. And we like to start off with the man in mission control, David Tatashore, the show's engineer and Heritage Radio Network's studio manager that's me hi hi how's it going it's going good um well incredibly i'm still looking for a solution to this problem that i brought up uh, weeks ago weeks and weeks ago just to reiterate one more time i have an android phone. the struggle is real (laughs) i have an android phone i recently uh, it's a pixel a google pixel i recently upgraded to android's new os oreo and 
now the Android file transfer application, which is on your computer uh, to interface with like the file system on your phone, no longer works. So I need some kind of application that will allow me to do this over USB. I don't want a cloud app. I don't want Bluetooth. Like somebody help. Come on. And I don't understand why. There isn't another option for this. In Somebody had suggested Dropbox, which is not what you're looking for not either. at all. Thank you. Appreciate the suggestion. Next. <laughs> so if you have a suggestion for Dave, who has been for weeks and weeks looking to solve this problem, get in touch with us. You can tweet us or Instagram us or get in touch with us on Facebook at TechBytesHRN. If you want to send an email, techbytes at heritageradionetwork.org. And we'll see. I mean, help, help uh, an engineer out. The dude's got a lot of music. He needs to move around. And um, I've done all the troubleshooting already, so please don't suggest any of that. Short of factory reset, which I'd rather not if I can avoid it. But, yeah. Dave lost me at Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the problem, Mario, Dave. Maybe that's the problem because these women sitting here right now, they're pretty uh, tech savvy and a part of the you know, tech enhanced world. If they don't understand what you're looking for, maybe we need to try and articulate it in a little bit of a different way. Okay. What, what, what so, were you missing there? So you have all your music on your phone I, it, it's or the, all the music's on your desktop. Yeah, I have, sorry, I have, I have music files that I want to be able to transfer from the computer to the phone. So you want to do that over a USB cable. Right. And you want the files to go from one place to the next in a specific format or just as MP3 yeah, files? Yeah, just as or you MP3s, want them as a playlist or you want them... Just as MP3s into like the default Android music folder, which would then be accessed by my music player. So you want them to go from the music folder on your desktop via USB to the music folder on your phone. Yeah, correct. And be accessible as music. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That doesn't seem like it should be that that's difficult. No, that's it. Why that's is that it. not happening? I don't know. So do you, do you understand now what he's I looking do. for? I have no solution for you. I think there's going to be a listener, though, that's going to tweet. There, yeah, there are exactly a ton of like cloud solutions, but I'm just not interested. I, I don't want to do that. <laughs> Why are you not interested in the cloud, just out of curiosity? It's just, it seems, well, first of all, unnecessary and kind of cumbersome. And I just, I want to be able to plug in a USB cable and quickly transfer files. I know. Dave knows what he wants. Yeah, I know. What's the matter with plug and play, people? Yeah, what's up? I mean, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Okay. That is. that I've eaten up all this time. That's okay. That's Dave's plea um, (laughs) for help. Get in touch. Help Help an engineer out. Ladies. Eve, do you have an app that you like, that you use a lot? Something you just a- discovered? I, well, I use Evernote every day. Evernote every day. Mm-hmm. I use Evernote in my dreams. I mean, I'm always collecting information, so it's great to be able to tag things on my desktop and on my computer and have it all sync up and take all my notes and have it sync up. It's amazing. And tag things and categorize them. and makes the like It's the one part of my life that feels organized. Your stuff on your computer <laughs> and your phone. And specifically in the Evernote app. Specifically in the Evernote um, app. But otherwise, no, I mean, there isn't an app that I've discovered recently that's like completely changed my life. I, I definitely am, am reliant on Headspace now. Um, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. For meditation. Mm-hmm. A lot of people talk about Headspace. As like a morning routine and um, wake up or 
I was just on a very turbulent plane ride and, and meditating through that was also extremely helpful. That's mm-hmm. interesting because mm-hmm. they do have that fear of flying one. Yep. Mm-hmm. But it more so was like taking what I'd learned by doing the Headspace app and just applying it in my airplane seat while I clutched my husband's hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's a visual. How long have you been using Headspace? Uh, a few months. And I try to do it. I try to do it once a day. It doesn't always happen. But um, but it's definitely kind of like a friendly it's a friendly app. I think of a lot of technology today as, as kind of overwhelming. Um, and it's one of the few apps that I consider as, as a healthy thing. And it's, there's this great English accent that just talks the guy. through everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So dreamy. Mm. And they have the cute illustrations and videos mm-hmm. that are very naive. Um, yeah, the, 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 like that part of it to me is like fine. I think it's more just like the consistency of it. So you've been using it for a few months. That means you've gone past the 10-day mm-hmm. free trial. Mm-hmm. So you feel that it's worth the $12 a month subscription? Is that what it I is? I feel now? a little guilty for spending the amount of money that I spent on $12, the annual. $12, that's like two coffees. Well, but I, like, I, yeah, I guess. I did like the annual subscription. I mean, you would spend $12 on coffee today, probably. I know, but, you know, meditating, <laughs> I think, like, if you really get, and maybe this is wrong, but I feel like if you really practice it enough, you should be able to do it on your own time anywhere. You shouldn't need the Australian monk to be leading you through every part of it. But um, for right now, for the, I think for the next year, just having kind of that, it's almost like having a support system in your phone. Yeah. Um, you know, like I travel a lot, like having that consistency to me is comforting. I just ponied up and spent a whole lot more in a, a Vedic meditation class. Okay, um, yeah. But I don't have the crutch of someone in my ear telling me to do it every day, so it's hard. Yeah. So I, I get headspace. Yeah. I don't yeah. think of it as a crutch. There are many, many meditation practices that require and are meant to be done with people, either with people around you, so you have the collective energy, or with a person leading the mm-hmm. practice, even if that leading is simply calling the bell to start and calling a bell mm-hmm. to finish. I don't think of it... I. I I don't consider it a crutch. I consider okay. it just part and parcel of different types of meditative practices. I would like to go do a group meditation at some point. And I know there's a few different places that have opened yep. up in we New can, York City. We can talk about that off, off yeah. air after the show. <laughs> I've been to a bunch of them. There's some really interesting, fun places out there. But now the whole cool. thing is mindful eating, which I'm also intrigued by, which is meditation over your meals. and Basically, mindful eating is a fancy way of saying stop doing something else Mm -hmm. and just eat your food. Mm -hmm. Stop watching TV, reading, you know, being on your computer, answering emails, looking at Instagram, taking pictures of your food and just sit there and eat your food. Yeah. It used to just be called dinner. (laughs) Now it's called mindful eating. (laughs) Anyway, um, that's a good one and a very popular one. Evernote and Headspace are are two that we've heard here before. So Mm -hmm. I, I have to start like a Facebook poll, I think. And every time someone mentions one, put you know, put a, put an asterisk on there and then see which, which apps are in the lead. But that would require me going back through the 115 other episodes to start to tabulate that. I'm sure Dave will do that. Do we have an intern, Dave? (laughs) Oh, Oh. he's there. So Nikki, do you have an app that you like right now? Yeah. I I used to be an Evernote girl because I have to-do lists for my to-do lists, but I just discovered thing three. Oh, like four days ago. What's it called? Thing? Three. And it is, 
I would say everyone's like, going to their phones. You can't see, but I would say it's life advancing, and I paid for it, which is not a typical. How much did you pay? Nine ninety nine. Ooh, is, one, that, one is time, that one time? So that's not one a time. Up front. That's not bad. That's a coffee um, and a half. It's a coffee and a half if we're doing the coffee math, and it's life advancing. I mean, you can just take everything out of your mind onto this app, organize to dos as you need to throw them into projects, and you can also. Organize them by date, and they sync into your Google Calendar, so they show up in your Google Calendar, which is just great. Because I was having the issue where I was just trying to remember my to-dos. They were waking me up at night, and now mm. they're out of my head. It's and been, do you sleep better? I do. Well, if do. you know that it's written down someplace, you can let go of having to remember it, which That's is it. an interesting thing. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. I have a paper calendar. There's something cathartic about writing it down. I'm trying, you know, I'm... I'm living at the intersection of food and technology, but I do try and kind of mitigate my usage. And there he is. Having a paper calendar allows me to start and end my day going over my calendar and my to-do list in a non-digital way. Yeah. And I mean, let's be honest, there's nothing more gratifying than physically crossing something mm-hmm. off a to-do list. It's the best. Although I do keep my calendar in pencil because mm. things change. You want to be I flex. Rest, erase and reschedule and all that. And I don't want to have a book that's got just plenty of scratch marks. I anyway. Okay. Thing three, <laughs> maybe some new productivity tools. So we have these two ladies here uh, to talk about Rethink Food, which is the conference happening in Napa Valley at CIA Copia from November 1st to the 3rd. And before we get into the details about the conference, I just want to make a note about the just really terrible California wildfires. And I want to say a couple things about that. One, Um, Thankfully, everyone at CIA, the campus, the staff, the people, the facilities, everyone has been very um, fortunately spared. So there's no disruption to the conference and more importantly, no disruptions to people's lives there. Um, If you are planning on going out there, call ahead to where you're staying and the people you're going to be seeing and all of that just to make sure they too are safe and in the clear. Um, If you're interested in um, following in a little bit more detail some of the stories about what's happening in Napa and Sonoma with with the wine community and the food community, Heritage Radio Network has been doing some fire coverage and wildfire updates over the past uh, week or two. You can find those episodes on the podcast Heritage Radio Network on tour. We have an HRN on tour podcast, which is when the radio travels around and talks to different people. And there's a lot of unique um, one-off programming there. So we have, I think, to date, about three episodes with updates um, on wildfire, talking to winemakers, different kinds of things like that. So it's a little bit of a different take. And again, so um, just heartbreaking and devastating to, to watch what's happening out there. So, you know, California's in our thoughts, and if you're going out there and planning to be out there, be safe. Maybe lend a hand to somebody. There's a lot of outreach and help happening from the restaurant and food world out there. Yeah, it's been amazing to see the the restaurant and food community come together to really help out in the first responders. I mean, it's just been an incredible effort. The food and restaurant community, interestingly, is typically always the first responders in every in almost every single crisis. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Jose Andres, who's in Puerto Rico and has been in Puerto Rico for 
I think mm-hmm. over a week now, just oh, feeding thousands while, and yeah. thousands and thousands of people. Um, he was one of the first people he got on. He got on some airplane and got down there and well, just Guy started Fieri's cooking. feeding uh, people in the mm-hmm. Napa area. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw Kyle Kanatn at Single Thread. His restaurant was actually closed because of the yes. fires, and all of the employees came in and they made meals for the volunteers, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Yeah, I mean the restaurant industry. Um, I think that that maybe goes back to the original and always underlying concept of the very simple act of cooking and feeding people is really, you know, how you express, uh, you know, caring and community and family. So that's what they do every day. And then, you know, they continue to do that in times of crisis. And then it, you know, is really meaningful. So that's our, our update on Napa and California and Sonoma. So back to the event, Rethink Food. November 1st to the 3rd, it's a, it's a event hosted with the Culinary Institute of America and the MIT Media Lab. So it really is food and technology in a very basic but serious kind of way. Um, there are participants from Google and IDEO and restaurants like Single Thread. Um, it's two days three days, jam-packed schedule. And when Eve and Nikki and I were talking about the conference before the show, uh, I asked each of them, you know, what they were looking forward to most um, because these, these women have been in the food tech space for a long time. They go to a lot of the conferences. They talk to a lot of people. And, um, you know, it's very easy to get into a, yeah, I've, I've been to this before. I've been to this thing before. You see people you know. That's great. It's fun to catch up. But... You know, sometimes um, maybe there's there's no there's no aha moment or bright new idea. So, Eve, what are you what are you looking forward to most? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that I am looking forward to um, hanging out with the folks from MIT uh, CoLab and um, also Linda Deacon of, of IDEO. I'm a big fan of her work, and those are the individuals who I don't necessarily get to um, interact with as much. You see a lot of the same folks that. This at you know, the food conferences that happen throughout the year around the world, rethink is a great opportunity to bring together people that have expertise in a wide variety of areas in and outside of food directly. Um, so I'm really excited about that, and I also just wanted to throw in like it. I don't know. It's like oddly relevant actually that we're dealing with a climate crisis in that area while we're coming together to think about how to rethink food because we're not just talking about, you know, what you're putting in your mouth and how that tastes. It's also about how we're growing our food and how we're treating our environment. And um, agriculture plays a huge, huge role in mitigating climate change, or it can play a huge role in mitigating climate change. So um, it'll also be interesting to see how kind of current events end up influencing the conversations that we have. That's an interesting point. I wonder if things will become much more elemental. You know, in a time of crisis when things become very clearly, uh, you know, black and white, you know, this is great, this is bad. It sort of reminds us all of what the Mm -hmm. truly important things are. I wonder if people's conversations will be a little bit more, um, you know, fundamental in terms of, you know, what people need or what the important things are or what we want to spend our time and money doing. Mm -hmm. I think in moments of crisis like that, people have a general kind of rejiggering of their priority list. Yeah, I think it really helps you prioritize and understand what matters. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I do think the conversation will be even even more impactful because of the current 
landscape that's happening. And, you know, last year's conference, this is the fourth year of Rethink Food, but last year was the week before the election. So also oh a really interesting conversation <laughs> happening then, too. And I, I think the same line of thought, though, it really made you think about priorities and and what matters in a time of just incredible change. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, think of the hurricanes and the fires. It's going to have an immense impact on uh, the foods that you see in the grocery store this coming year. Absolutely. Um, it's really affecting people's growing seasons. I mean, Puerto Rican farmers are just completely at a loss. Um, a lot of Texan farmers in California. I think these are major, major hubs where we get our food from. So it's really for, I think it's going to force forward the conversation of how are we growing our food? How do you use technology in order to ensure that we are producing the right kinds of plants, but also the right kinds of growing environments, utilizing water properly, um, nutrients, all of those different things. And then the next uh, ripple outside of that is what about the people? Because all of these things require people to, you know, plant and grow and harvest. And when there is no harvest and there is no product, what happens economically to all the people who are in, you know, the farming and agriculture in those areas, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's also impactful on a very immediate level. We're going to take a quick break and talk about um, impactful to Heritage Radio Network in a very immediate way. We are a .org because we are a 501c3 nonprofit. We make radio and stay on the airwaves entirely from the generous support of our sponsors like this one. Stay with us. Today's program is proudly brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Whole Foods Market believes in seeking out local, fresh, and seasonal food and in supporting local farmers, makers, and the community as a whole, economically and agriculturally. Whole Foods Market believes in food that is vivid and colorful, fresh and full of nutrients. Food that connects you to your body, the seasons, and to nature. Food that helps you do more, sleep better, and wake up happier. Found in over 400 locations throughout the United States, Whole Foods Market only sells food that meets their standards, which means no artificial colors, flavors, preservatives, or sweeteners, ever. Whole Foods Market believes in real food. Visit WholeFoodsMarket.com or download the Whole Foods Market app to learn more. If you're just joining us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bites, the weekly show on the Heritage Radio Network, where we look at the intersection of food and technology. And today, that intersection is going to be happening in Napa Valley, California, on November 1st to the 3rd at the Culinary Institute of America, Copia, for the Rethink Food Conference that they put on with the MIT Media Labs. It's legit food and tech. Joining us to talk about Rethink Food are Eve Turo-Paul, who is a journalist and advisor. If you want to follow her, you can follow her at Eve Turo, T-U-R-O-W, Paul, P-A-U-L. 
com is her website, or you can find her on Instagram and Twitter. Also joining us is Nikki Briggs, who's the program director at CIA. You can find her at Nikki, N-I-C-K-I underscore Briggs underscore. You can also follow CIA at CIA Leadership. If you're interested in finding out more information and attending the conference, go to rethinkfood.org. That's R-E-thinkfood.org, O-R-G, and um, check it out. They have ticket prices ranging from $725 for the student rate up to $2,795 for general admission for three days. That sounds like a lot of money to me. But it's going to be amazing. And you really do get taken (laughs) care of in terms of food and wine and experience. We actually have Google Food doing the reception on Thursday night, so they have dreamed up this very sort of on-themed food experience. Tell us a little bit about what Google Food means. So... Or what it is or what it's going to do. Yeah, Google Food is a food division of Google. Um, And, I mean, Google has, I think, the most prestigious reputation in terms of dining and culture and really thinking about employee health holistically, and it really starts with food. So the head of uh, Google Food, Michael Backer, who's an incredible supporter of the CIA and a, a really incredible man, he's actually presenting our open session, and he's going to share never released um, search trends from Google, looking at some of the things that are really bleeding edge that they're seeing that they think will be important to kick off Rethink Food. To based really on frame what the, the public is looking for. Exactly. Based on what people are interested in or thinking about. And, and maybe not thinking about anymore. Maybe some things that are starting to decline and maybe those searches are going elsewhere. So oh, Michael exciting. has been tight-lipped about it, so I, can't, I have no more to share, but I'm, I'm really excited yeah, about that. I already asked Nikki if I could get the info, and she was just like, I don't even have it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm really excited. Will it be available to the public after the event? Uh, it will be, but also during, so the conference is live-streamed. Oh, that is Really exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So people would go to rethinkfood.org for the live streaming information? That's right. Okay, I'm going to put that on my calendar because that would be one worth tuning into for sure. Absolutely, and then right after Michael eaves up. So it's a double header. Wow. So you have to tune in. (laughs) Right? So just plan to, you know, sit in front of your computer for three days. Get some snacks. Exactly. I I think that stuff's happening the evening of the first Right, it is the okay. first. Yep, and and Eve will be followed by a really interesting guy named Gerd Leonhard, um, who's a futurist, and he really focuses on what does it mean for humans with advancements in technology. So very much humans versus machine, and this will be his first food-focused talk. And what I think is cool about Gerd and speaking with him is very cool accent. So check that box. But secondly. <laughs> um, a You're lot a of, fan of the accent. Are you, are you catching on? Yes. Um, my poor husband. He's so American. He's going to be so disappointed when I get home. <laughs> Anyways, he, he could have an American accent. It's pretty normal. Or he'll just take okay. on someone yeah. else's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> take notes, Drew. Um, but anyways, what's cool about Gerd is a lot of what we were talking about framing this conversation about food and community and really food being a cornerstone connection, Gerd feels very strongly about too. So his talk will be about how we don't lose that connection in food. But how technology across personalized nutrition, food tech in the kitchen, and smart kitchens, they can really kind of enhance that and take some of the stress out of cooking. So futurist is not a term that we hear much in the food world. How would you define futurist? I think it is someone that is looking 
20, 50 years ahead, which is what GERD does. And I think that's one of the things that we really want to crack at this year's Rethink Food. You know, we we talk about the future of food, but, you know, when you look 20 years out, it's a nebulous period. It's really hard to know what you're doing as a CEO of a company beyond, you know, one year, two years, five years, maybe. So what we want to do is create some sort of practical framework where you can think about the short term, but you can really use it as a planning mechanism to start thinking 20 years ahead because technology is changing so rapidly. How do you stay abreast and keep up with this cadence of innovation? And and that's why we reached out to GERD. Well, everything seems to be changing rapidly, not just tech, but farming. And as the tech evolves, then consumer public behavior modes change and and Mm -hmm. value perception shift. And the thing that... it would be challenging, I think, to even you know guess outside the food world what is going to be happening 5, 10, 20 years from now. And then food is even a little bit more challenging. I think one of the funny things about food in the future is if we look at movies and books, you know, science fiction, all those kinds of things, all the food in the future is some like protein goo pack yeah. thing mm-hmm. that is overlaid with some sensory experience of what food used to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, I saw the new Blade Runner over the weekend. And in that, it's like open up a pouch of something, put it in, and then overlaid with a... No spoilers, know. please. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing a, it Saturday. He's a Blade Runner. Yeah, I mean, th- but this is kind of getting to the what I've been researching for the last couple of years now, which is kind of like with the uprise of digital the return to analog in food. And I think that as a culture and maybe just as creatures, we are always looking for the next new thing. And if it includes technology, we think, oh, it's bright and shiny and it's going to be amazing. But technology and disruption is not always what's actually most beneficial to creating joy in the human life. And so you're seeing a return to these really basic things like cooking and gardening and foraging and butchering and brewing beer and all of those other things, right? You can literally order anything at the push of a button, but people have decided that even if they don't have the time to go grocery shopping, they still want the kit. They don't want the food delivered prepared a lot of the time. Yeah. So I think it's also going to be really interesting. Like, and that, and that just relates to basic human needs. So as a futurist, you can look out and say, this is the technology that's going to be available Homo sapiens aren't really haven't changed in fifty thousand years. We're not going to be changing very much going forward. Um, how do you kind of bring those two things together? What technologies are going to increase human joy and health, and which ones are potentially going to disturb it? Yeah, I think there's a hunger for tangibility and pleasure, and I think all of those real very, in real life. Yeah, absolutely, IRL. and I think more and yes. more so. Um, <laughs> like I, I think having a powdered protein meal pill that I could take that could fulfill all my needs, I would still be hungry. Right. I, um, one right. of our presenters and our MC for Rethink Food, Ali Buzari, who is a chef and a scientist and a super cool guy. I remember we were talking and someone asked him, what do you think is going to happen in the future of food? What does the future of food look like? And I loved his answer. It was, people are going to eat really yummy foods. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that's so true. I don't think it's going to change. One of the interesting things about what changes and what doesn't change. 
I had the pleasure of talking with Nathan Mirvold uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago on the show, on the occasion of his recently published Modernist Bread book, which is actually five volumes, 2,500 pages, and 1,500 recipes. It's actually a history of bread in the world, going back to the beginning of time. And part of the conversation that we had was the history of bread is in many ways the history of humanity and civilization because it tracks through agriculture and farming and technology and cooking with fire and all these types of things that needed to come together in order for people to make bread. One of the most fascinating things that we talked about was initially when he started his research, bread was pegged at being about maybe 6,000 years old, and then they did some research and it was 12,000 years old. And then in Mozambique, they discovered in a cave grinding stones that had flour in them, wild sorghum grain flour. And if you have grinding stones making flour, you're obviously cooking it and making some sort of Mm bread-like object. And the Mozambique cave grinding stones dated to... 100,000 years ago. Wow. Mm. So I was delighted in that. I guess paleo is wrong because yeah. if they were making bread 100,000 yes. years ago, <laughs> then uh, original have you, have you humanoids sapiens? are eating bread. Have you read Sapiens? No. Oh, you need is to read good? Sapiens. Yeah, because you've all know a Harari is this historian and he says, you know, wheat, we didn't cultivate wheat, wheat cultivated us. He was saying, you know, this is one of those grains that it actually can't propagate until unless they have a farmer that's helping it. Um, but it's at the start of the agricultural revolution was the cultivation of wheat. And um, I mean, that's learning how to cook is what allowed the human brain to grow. I mean, this is very, very integral to our existence and it's not going to change. So it's a, it was a really fascinating moment in that when you study something that's so old, that's not going anywhere and that. In many ways, you know, a hundred thousand years later, it's, uh, you know, you could, you could make the argument of like, how actually more advanced is it? I do. Well, we're still like creating, you know, five anthology books of how to make Make bread. And down the street at the bread lab, they're grinding their own grains Uh and, you know, just making bread. And so, I mean, the future, yes, but then in, in some ways it's. You know, the future, yeah. like back to your back to your original statement of, yeah. you know, technology for analog. Right. But I do think that there are really interesting areas that I'm hoping we can get into, which is how do you deal with climate change? And what do you do with the new research around the microbiome? Right. The role of food and health is going to change pretty dramatically. Um, so I do think that there are areas where tech and food have a nece- necessary marriage that we need to figure out and we need to utilize it in the best way for human health and environmental health. And that's really what I'm looking forward to. It's not like, you know, what's the next Big Mac necessarily. It's how are we going to grow our food? How are we going to grow the proper food for human health? And also how do those two things advance together? One of the things when we were talking before the show was what I think is the most fascinating thing about food is just how young and how little we know about nutrition science. So as tech tries to integrate into nutrition Personalized nutrition can only work so hard for us because we just don't fully understand the human genome and all, and how one can even track that for individuals. We know it's important, and we're learning more mm-hmm. every day. 
Um, but that is something that's slowing down tech right now. And also the difference between growing things that taste good and look good and grow well and transport easily, but then may or may not have the best nutritional value. Mm-hmm. We had that conversation also that, you know, oh, it's wonderful to grow beautiful things that you can eat that taste delicious. But if they have close to no nutritional value, then what's, I mean, that what's is the true cur- benefit? That is our current food system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Eve was just involved in Wasted, mm-hmm. um, a movie about food waste. And it's funny because, you know, food tech is trying to look so far. Movie about food waste. Mm-hmm. Food waste. In, it's in called yeah. Wasted, produced by 0.0 Productions, mm-hmm. I believe, mm-hmm. the same outfit that does the Tony Bourdain. And, and Anthony Bourdain is one of the producers. Of known. And, yes. Mm-hmm. So here we are trying to do these radically innovative and disruptive things in food, and yet we have these elemental, real issues that need to be solved. Right. Um, and, that, that, and that doesn't really take, I mean, it, you can use technology in order to solve food waste, but the best way to solve food waste is to just eat what you grow or eat what you buy. Just don't throw out your food, right? Or it, it's, it's... But what about the skins and the peels and yeah, the well, grisly bits? I, you can compost it. You can feed <laughs> it to your chickens. You can feed it to your pigs. You can, um, I mean, I think last night I made a grain bowl and I... Uh, roasted ahead of cauliflower, but it had a bunch of the stems and leaves still on it. And I roasted those and they're delicious. Like there's no reason that we should be throwing these things out, right? A lot of people throw out the cauliflower core and the leaves and it's just, that's learned, um, inaccurate. I don't even know what the, well, it's learned behavior, but it's not based around edibility. It's based around something else. But I don't even know what it's based on. That's the thing. And like, that's a, that's a history I would really love to learn is like, how did we decide that you can only have the head of the cauliflower or the broccoli when 60% of the vegetable is the leaves? (laughs) I don't understand that. So, I mean, part of it is about creating, you know, market demand for it. Now the, on the technology side, what's really exciting is that if you can't get people to eat everything, utilize everything, because we don't live on farms, there's also the, the possibility of anaerobic digesters that can be powering our cities. So there is also really interesting stuff to be happened there, right? Because the, any food that you throw away, it creates methane, an incredibly powerful greenhouse gas. And if that's in a landfill, that's just going into the which, atmosphere. Which we know from Road Warrior Mad Max 3. Okay. <laughs> Thunderdome. Thunderdome is but totally based the on that. futuristic okay. movie references yeah. coming. Yeah. Yeah. Thunderdome is based purely on that. Okay. And so... Yeah. That's where they get the gas from. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, that powers Well, the but we could... Yeah. So actually, you were talking about those futurist movies. Yeah. Back to the Future. Do you remember when Doc yes. runs his car based... Like, he puts by, the banana peel By putting banana it. peel yeah. in, right. I mean, like, that can happen. There's no reason why that can't happen. And if you use anaerobic digesters to harness the methane, you can run entire cities off of that. And the other cool solve for technology and food waste is just centralizing distribution. So if you do have some things that you can't eat, finding other people in the community that you can share that food with. Right. Or restaurants. Or restaurants, right, I was going to say. I mean, mean, Aladan Barber, talk about turning food scraps into something incredible. He's done some pop-ups around food waste that are just amazing. It's, yeah, it's really mind-blowing, actually, when you when you start to notice what you've been throwing away. We don't really waste anything in our house. Everything is composted or recycled. We have a tiny, tiny trash bin um, that's thankfully rarely used. But then I, like, go home and, you know, no knock on my parents. I love them dearly. But just looking at what goes in the trash bin and knowing that that's how I had grown up, and it was just like, oh, my God. The, the shift, once you make it, it's hard to go back. Interestingly... 
it may be a generational thing or maybe a geographical and cultural thing. Um, I recall a conversation with a friend and colleague who's in the food and restaurant world who was in Europe doing some events and they were trying to think of a g great theme for an event and it was going to be, you know, food waste, you know, so the wasted concept, what we do with all the other parts and the Americans were really excited by that idea and the Europeans were a little quixotic in that mm. they were saying, well, don't, don't you do that anyway? Like, mm -hmm. why is that a revolutionary kind of concept? Yeah, but that's... You know, I, sort I of mean, using the, the, the classic of, you know, the French cooking, you use a whole chicken, you use all the parts, right. you use all those things. They so. can think... I mean, listen, Europeans are, are way ahead in terms of, you know, France just passed a law that grocery stores can't waste their food. If you, you can't throw something out, you need to donate it to um, people in need, right? Which just seems like a no-brainer. But at the same time, you know, I saw a really disturbing report that food porn photos, like Instagram, has resulted in more food waste because people are putting these meals together to make to it take look the pictures. Yes, to make it look pretty, to take Stunt the photo. food. Yes. Studio food. And people are throwing it away. It's terrible. That's terrible. Oh, that's sort of like the ultimate superficial... It's ridiculous. ...food sin. <laughs> people who claim to care about food. It's gluttony and vanity yeah. tied yeah. together. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Instagram, the evils of Instagram. We've done, we've done a couple shows on Instagram just mm. because it's been so impactful to the food and restaurant world. One of the Hugely. first shows we did um, in year one back in 2015 was about the effect of Instagram on uh, restaurants. Mm. And we had some restaurant editors and food PR. Uh, we had Kate Crater, um, who's a restaurant editor, and Stephen Hall from Hall PR, who does food PR. And they talked about how Instagram impacts their job and their mm. clients and the business and what people are looking for. And it's, it's been pretty profound for something I, that's been around for such a short period of time in terms of the impact that it's had. Yeah. Chefs wanting to make food that looks good versus food that tastes good. Well, you I'm know. interested to know in at Rethink, in terms of the Google Trend Report, whether that's going to be reflected. Because to me, uh, poke bowls, sushi donuts, um, unicorn food. was one of the first one also. Right, but I don't even ago. think that those three foods would be in existence if it weren't for Instagram. For sure. And we actually have a, quite a few panels that will look at that. Um, we have awesome. Christopher Custo from Restaurant at Meadowood, who's not, and Kyle Connaughton as well. They're not just talking about food and dining trends. They're talking about experience and hospitality by design because you have to take the full picture into consideration. Full picture. Pun intended. Pun fully, yeah. fully intended. Um, and we also have a chef from the CIA, Bill Briwa, who's talking about how to create meaningful, successful culinary experiences mm -hmm. and Instagram and really using that lens, another pun intended, thinking about what dishes to serve in this breakout session was the driver for the menu creation. How's it going to look on a phone? That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And the question, uh, I've had a discussion with people in, you know, food writers and food media and food journalism. What do you do about the dish that tastes amazing but looks terrible? Do you Instagram it and say this looks like crap but it tastes great? I've seen a lot of that lately. Almost <laughs> celebrating, like, delicious, ugly food. Like, we're battling ugly, against delicious. the perfect photo. Yes. You know, because I think... Instagram is such an interesting way of catalyzing trends and sharing food and creating a community around maybe a solo dining experience, but it's also really isolating because mm -hmm. you see people having these beautiful food experiences in your home eating, I don't know, like a lean cuisine or whatever you're doing in your, in your day, you right. know, and, and you feel a little disconnected from it. 
And now Eve's talking about people are just taking these beautiful photos and then throwing the food out. And yeah. Then, well, and the other part of what I will be talking about um, in Napa is the fact that with the rise of all this technology has also come skyrocketing rates of depression and loneliness and anxiety and stress. And this is all tied together. Um, food should be something that you're appreciating in person, utilizing all your senses, uh, experiencing the joy of eating with others, creating for other people. And today it's become performative uh, in a way that it never has really been. And it's exactly taking it back to where we started. Mindful eating, right? right. It's just mindful eating. Yeah. Yeah. Probably had that 100,000 years ago with the paleo bread in Mozambique. <laughs> Probably a lot of mindful eating happening. We are out of time, unfortunately. Um, at the beginning of the show, when we were sitting in the studio before we went on air, Eve asked, wow, how are we going to talk for 45 minutes? And I think now we could be here for another hour, right? Sure. Yeah. Easy. Maybe we'll start live streaming the show and have after show content. Um, if you cannot make it out to Napa for November 1st to 3rd, do hit up the website and tune into the live stream. I will be doing that. At the end of each show, I always like to ask my guests for a little piece of actionable advice for folks out in the world. The two of you ladies are food people, conscientious food people, and you travel a lot. You're about to get on a plane to go out west. What are your best strategies for eating well while you're on the road and in the airport and on the plane? What do you what do? You do? What's your strategy? Prepare ahead. Whether it's bringing your own things with you or else being a total nerd and researching it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Which How do you research? Like go to the airport website and look at the map of the I restaurants do. that are there? I do, do, or where I'm landing. Knowing where I want to eat in a city that's going to be good and is going to have good options. And eating healthily does not mean sacrificing flavor. You know, there's such a cool movement where vegetables are really shining. You can find good food anywhere now it's so cool you just have to look for it yeah it also depends on the airport some airports now have amazing (laughs) for sure um i i actually i do rely on rx bars it's one of the only uh processed foods that i eat i love them they keep me full and i feel like i know what it is that i'm eating i understand everything those are the one where it's like four ingredients or five ingredients Mm -hmm. and it says it on the catalog so i'm really Uh hoping the product doesn't change uh-oh. I think it'll just mean it's even easier to find than it is Yeah, now. that's what I'm hoping. Um, but otherwise, I, I do exactly what, what Nikki does. And, um, you know, I think the other part of it is realizing you don't have to eat in the airport. You know, try to bring stuff with you or find a fun restaurant near the airport, like right after you leave. For sure. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Famously, there's an In-N-Out Burger right by LAX. That's one of my favorites. I've never been. To LAX or In-N-Out Burger? In-N-Out Burger. I have I another. just read somewhere that they're going to do a pop-up in New York. Oh, oh that's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. It is pretty good. But there's one by the airport. Okay. Um, what do you like to bring? We know she likes to bring the RX bars. What do you travel with, food-wise? Apples, nuts. I, um, I work for a plant-based yogurt, and I try and sneak it through security. Like 90% of the time I'm successful, I can get that baby if through. you have TSA pre-check... That usually helps yeah, also. Because I've gone through with hummus and like pita, and that's been okay. Yeah. They took honey away from me once, and I was really oh. bitter about it. So I haven't tried oh. since then. <laughs> that's sad. Well, that's all the time that we have this week. If you liked this episode of Tech Bites, come back and see us on Thursdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to take us with you, 
Go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio, subscribe, leave a great review, and listen to it on demand. TechBytes is hosted and produced by Jennifer Leutzi, engineered by David Tadashore. I want to thank Uptown Nico, the DJ who created our theme song, Nomada CPU Track. And of course, HeritageRadioNetwork.org and all of our sponsors and members. I'm Jennifer Leitze. This is Tech Bytes. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.